mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. February 7th, nearly Valentine's Day. How exciting for everyone. If you don't have a romantic partner to spend Valentine's Day with, then just, like, choose someone random on a dating site or celebrate Galentine's February 13th. I know Violet's making plans with her friends. Galentine's is a thing. Do something alone with yourself. I remember the Christmases that Violet wasn't with me. She'd be with her dad and his family. I would celebrate by locking myself in my house with the dogs, ordering lots of red wine and chocolate and coffee, and I would have a lovely few days alone. Get okay with being alone. Your own company, needs to be the best company and that's how you become uh, a happy healthy person fena got a great dose of that i locked myself out of the house last week which many of you might have seen in the tabloids via my instagram <clears throat> i was not ashamed to share my security camera footage of the incident here's what happened um oh, so many gen z's by the way are like how did you get back in the house if you didn't have a phone and that's not a huge criticism of you even though i've done kind of a mocking voice. Um, I think a lot of people think, well, what, what would I do in that situation if I didn't have the usual technological means of communicating with other people who had keys to my house or locksmiths or whomever? Well, I'm going to have to take you straight back to the very beginning. The reason I locked myself out of the house in the first place was not baby brain. I didn't forget about Fena. What's been going on recently <clears throat> is our cat Pasco has become a murderess. That is the female, very lesser known murderer. She is a murderess. Pasco, for some reason, I think just because spring has sprung, came up to the back doors holding a squirrel dead in her mouth. I mean, like not to get too graphic, but it wasn't, it was still like kind of kicking and it was really sad um, to see, but that's nature, guys. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm too old to know about trigger warnings all the time. Jen, there's about to be a story about a squirrel being murdered. Five minutes ago, 10 seconds ago. So she comes to the door holding this catch. And Bobby was like, oh my God, that squirrel is as big as the dogs. Because we have three teeny tiny dogs and Dolly is like a normal sized toy dog, but Cardi, Megan, and especially Manny are 100% squirrel sized. So if that cat can kill a squirrel, which is faster than our dogs, then if she was so inclined, she could also kill the dogs. So it was really scary. This happened while Bobby's mom was staying with us and she turned out to be the man of the house. Bobby's mom took the squirrel 
from Pasco, and by then, sadly, it had passed away. And she got rid of it because everyone was saying, oh, the cat's not going to eat this squirrel. The cat's surely not going to eat it. She's just messing with it. I was like, no, I've seen that cat eat things before. She will eat that squirrel right in front of us. And we didn't want to see her messing with it. Like This is the thing with the cat lately, and I know that it doesn't make me very popular, but I don't like that cat now that I have small babies. When I look at that cat, all I see is pathogens. And I know that's evil and you're supposed to love your pets no matter what. And I also know a lot of listeners love animals more than you love people. So you would choose my cat over my babies. I get that about you, but not me. That cat is outside, she's inside, she's playing in Fred's little pop-up tent. Her germs are everywhere. I just see her as being so much germier than the dogs. Sometimes there are slugs attached to her fur when she comes in and God knows what else. Sometimes I get little bites. I just think like anything gross that happens in the house, I think it's the cat. So she kills the squirrel and we think, well, she can't come in now for a few days. We have to keep her outside because she's gonna come straight in, lay on the sofa, go in Fred's pop-up tent and get like, God knows what feral squirrel germs all over my baby's shit. So we keep her out. We're ready to let her in like a couple days later she kills another squirrel and this time i didn't see her kill it what i saw was just pasco coming to the door with blood all over her face and like crusted blood in her nose and on her fur and then i looked out in the garden and i saw a very stiff squirrel and i thought is this the squirrel from last time that bobby's mom got rid of it wasn't i sent a picture of the squirrel to bobby's mom bobby's mom's like that is a whole different squirrel so she is a serial murderess at this point And she just can't be trusted around the dogs. She can't be let in the house. It's warm weather outside. She has a huge, thick coat. We feed her breakfast, lunch, and dinner right by the door. We have furniture outside that she sleeps on. The cat is safe. But I'm sorry, guys. She's not coming in my house right now. For that reason, we used to leave the doors open to let the dogs in and out. You know, we'd go get something from the car and leave the door open. But we can't do that right now because we are keeping the cat out of the house. Bobby decided to drive me. Where was I going? I was going with Fenna. Oh, I was going to get my nails done with baby Fenna the other day. And instead of taking the bus or driving myself and bothering to park, Bobby was like, oh, I'll drive you in your car. My car has the car seat. He drives me and he took my one house key off of the car keys to give to me because I would be taking the bus home with Fenna. My car keys usually have my house keys on them. In this instance, they didn't. So that's mistake number one. Separate the car keys from the house keys. I get back that day. Bobby switched cars, took his own car to go golfing. And we have this adorable golfing outfit that is just going to fit Fred for like a few more weeks. I bought it last summer to take pictures of him on the golf course. But, you know, that photo shoot never materialized. So I said, all right, after I get back from getting my nails done, Fred will have his nap. Uh, Fred had a babysitter that day. And then I said, I will get him ready in his golf clothes after his nap when the babysitter's gone. I will take Fred and I will take Fenna in my car. We'll meet you at the golf course and we will do this photo shoot and we'll have dinner, whatever, before Violet gets home from school. So Fred wakes up from his nap. I'm home from the nail salon. I get him all dressed. I think I'm like the smartest person ever. I feed Fenna. I get Fenna all changed and ready to go. I bundle her up. And she falls asleep. I put her in her little bed by the window. So she's sleeping and bundled up in a safe place. I scoop Fred up. I grab my car keys. And normally I would have left the front door wide open to go put Fred in his car seat and then come back in for Fenna. 
But because I'm trying to keep this cat out of the house, I shut the door behind me tight. And the doors in England, if you're listening from abroad, they all lock automatically. And if you're listening in England, you are strange because doors in Canada and everywhere else in the world, as far as I know, do not lock automatically when you close them. You have to turn around behind you and use your key to lock the door. This makes a lot of sense to me because then you know you have a key to get back inside because you used said key to lock the door when you left. <clears throat> Maybe this creates a problem for people who like forget to lock the door, but look, I just think it's a better way. However, I thought I had a key to the door when I shut it behind me because I had my car keys. Usually my house key is on my car key. So I go out, I shut the door behind me and right away, right away, as soon as I heard the door shut, my brain went, oh my God, you took the house key off today to get your nails done when Bobby had the car. Holy shit. So I know now I don't have my key. Sometimes we leave the back doors unlocked, though I'm always the one in the house harping on about locking them. Lock the back doors, lock the back doors, even if it's for like 10 minutes. I like those doors locked because we were burgled one time and that's because I left a window open. So I'm always locking everything, but I think, oh, people don't listen to me. Like maybe on this occasion, there's a back door that's unlocked. So I quickly looked and I could see through the front door window that all the back doors were indeed locked. And I was like, oh my fucking God. So now I know that I'm locked out front, holding Fred in my arms. I don't have my phone that was in the house. I don't have Fena, she's in the house. Crucially, I don't have my house key. This was all captured on our security cameras and I put it on Instagram and it was picked up by like the Mirror and the Daily Mail, OK Magazine. And Bobby warned me. Bobby's like, if you put this on your Instagram, you know it's going to get in the tabloids. And I thought, well, you know what? Oh, well, because I know that other moms have made this mistake and some dads. And I want them to feel, you know, seen in this moment. So you can see on the camera, I panic. I go, oh, shit. Oh, shit. But it's like a calm, cold panic. Really the only panic that I'm capable of. You guys know that I have dangerously low blood pressure. I never really get over of like a two out of 10 <coughs> in terms of panic. So I go, uh-oh, I have Fred in my arm, so I have to be mindful of my reaction. I go, uh-oh, uh-oh, Fred. Oh, I've done something really bad. And Fred goes, uh-oh, uh-oh. So I kept my head together. You can see in the video, the wheels kind of spinning for like 20 seconds maximum. I stood there and I just thought, what are my options? And I thought, okay, one option, break the window. I did, that option crossed my mind. I wasn't really gonna do it, but I, it was on the list. Second on the list, you have car keys, put Fred in the car seat, get in the car, and go drive five minutes down the road to where Bobby is and get his keys from him at the golf course. Problem being with Bobby that day, this is another layer of stupid, is that he texted me earlier to go, oh, my phone's gonna die on the golf course. I was like, what? Like, I'm sorry. I told Bobby this when I was pregnant with Fena. I said, you need to have your phone charged. You need to be contactable at all times because you have a small child and a teenage daughter and a pregnant wife. So like, you can't just be off grid. And that's still true. Like I'm no longer pregnant, but we have two small children and a teenager at school. And both of us need to be contactable by phone all the time. I think he, he, you can't have your phone dead, Bobby. You can't be out of range. So fine. His phone was gonna die on the golf course, so I knew. Okay, I don't know his number anyway, number one. I don't have a phone, number two. But even if I did, his phone is dead. So like, we're fucked three different ways. So do I get in the car, drive to the golf course, 
get in a golf cart and like go running around the holes trying to like flag him down to get his keys. No, I can't do that because you have to stay close to the house. There's no way I was going to get in the car and leave Fenna sleeping in the house. Number three, go to the neighbors, ring their doorbell and ask to use their phone. So that's what was going through my head in that 20 seconds. I was like, okay, Fenna's safe. She's in a safe place. She's asleep. I have Fred with me. It would have been way worse if Fred was in the house and Fenna was with me. Thank God I was going to put Fred in first because I can't imagine like at least Fenna can't move around and like find danger. I think Fred, had he been locked in the house, and a lot of you since have messaged me to say you locked your toddlers in the house, you know, he could he could cry, he could panic, he could feel actually scared. He could walk off, like try to walk up the stairs or whatever. And oh, Fen, I know. And I can't coach him to open the door. He's too small to even reach the door. He's 19 months. So, I mean, it just would have been bad. He would have been scared and possibly traumatized by that. Fenna, she's happy all the time. She doesn't even know what's going on. She's asleep. So I choose option three. I go, okay, grab Fred, open the gate, go see if the neighbors are home. I ring their bell. They don't answer. I go back across to my neighbor on the other side. I ring their bell. They don't answer. But then I remember my first neighbor had the garage door open. So I know someone's home. Sometimes you see a wild woman holding a toddler in your uh, security camera. You don't open the door, but I thought, mm, if I ring it twice, she'll know I'm in trouble. So I go over there, I ring it again. The lady of the house was not home, I gather, but the nanny came to the door. And I said, hi, I've locked my baby in the house. I don't have my house key. I only have my car keys. May I please use your phone? And she was a little bit suspicious of me, I think, by the look on her face. She was slightly dubious. She was like, uh, I said, I just live next door. And I had Fred with me in my arms, you know, like how much of a hustler can I be it's not really worth running a scam if you're like co-criminal is a 19 month old kid it's just it's not worth it it's too much admin so I think she trusted me you know I had no coat on I was wearing little slides like it's the winter she's like yeah okay I think you live next door I don't know if she's ever seen me before if she recognizes me but she seemed a little bit trepidatious ultimately she gave me her phone and she goes oh do you know your husband's number because she's young and she knows the skinny Nobody knows their husband's number. My husband is a photo in my phone. I click on it when I need to reach him. I don't actually know his number. I can only tell you my number, my grandma's number, my best friend growing up, and my own house growing up. That's it. So I said, no, I don't know his number, but anyway, his phone's dead. But what I'm going to do is Google the golf course and ring their landline. See, Gen Z? Landlines. So she said, okay, so I go on her, you know, search, whatever, internet, Safari. I didn't know if I was supposed to say the name. It might have been Chrome. So I go on there and I Google the golf course and I called their reception. They don't answer. I'm thinking, oh my fucking God. Now Fenna's been in the house maybe two minutes. I was like, okay. So I call it again. They don't answer. When you ring, they give options like call one for reception, two to make a booking, da, 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 da. So on the third try, I was like, do you know what? Maybe I'll wait a little bit longer and see what all the options are. Option five, the bar restaurant. I said, well, I know someone's in the bar restaurant. So I pressed that one and a lovely young lady, Holly, answered the phone. And I said, hi, my husband's there. My husband's there golfing. Do you know him? Do you know Bobby? And she's like, yeah, I know Bobby. Everyone knows Bobby. I said, I need you to tell him it's kind of an emergency. I need him to come home right away. And she was like, oh, okay, I'll find him. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to call you back. I hang up the phone. 
And then the nanny inside had a great plan. She said, you can use my phone. Take my phone with you so you can still look at your sleeping baby through the window. Take my phone over to your house. But first, I need to call my boss. And this is the lady of the house who lives there. And I think secretly she wanted to ask this lady, like, is this woman all right? Because she's currently calling a golf course repeatedly from my phone. She's speaking now to the lady of the house. She leaves the room, presumably to check on the kids who live there, but also I think she wanted to say things away from me. I don't know why. I just have a feeling she didn't trust me. So she walks away. And then I had this other brilliant idea. I said, oh, your boss who lives at the house, she has my husband's number. They have each other's number because they communicate. They work out together all the time. They play tennis. They have sleepovers. No, they don't do any of that. But she does have his number saved in her phone. And I said, I think that my husband will hopefully get back to the clubhouse, charge his phone, and maybe she can text him and tell him that I've locked myself out. We are not meeting him at the golf course for any photo shoot. He needs to come straight home. And so she's like, oh, here, talk to my boss. I speak to the woman. I go, please, will you tell Bobby? She's like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. So then the woman felt safe enough to give me her phone. I go back to the house. Now Fen has been alone for like seven minutes. I look in the window, she's still peacefully asleep. And then I feel lots better. I'm like, okay, I've got messages out in the world to Bobby. I've got Holly at the bar of the golf club looking for him. And I've also got the lady of the house, my neighbor, who has his number texting him so that if he charges his phone somehow, he's gonna know that he has to come straight home. He's only three minutes away, we're in trouble. So I'm looking at Fena. And now I feel really relaxed. I start playing with Fred. We're just walking around outside, doo dee doo And then I think to myself, I can communicate through our security cameras. Since we were robbed, we have not just the ring, but we have two other security camera systems because like in case one of them goes down so that we're covered from all angles. I don't know if you need three security camera systems, but that's what we have. We have like alarms and we have lasers and we have cameras. We have all this shit. You would think that we have some type of vault like we don't actually own anything anything of value that i have i just borrow to go on tv and it doesn't even stay at my house so like have fun breaking in could steal fred's trucks and hopefully the fucking cat so i start communicating through all the cameras i'm at the front door and i go hello hello if you can see me on the security cameras bobby just know that fen is sleeping fen is safe i need you to come home and let us back in but so far no one's distressed nobody's crying i can see her but come home because the other thing I didn't want is for Bobby to receive all these emergency messages and panic. Because as much chill as I have, Bobby has zero. Bobby, Bobby is great in certain situations that I'm not great in. Uh, but when it comes to the kids or me being in any kind of trouble, I mean, he just falls apart. I took him to the park the other day with Fred and Fena. And he was, you know, you hear about helicopter parents. He was literally helicoptering around Fred like Fred would walk over a place and Bobby like had his arms and legs out sort of in a shielding position and was just right on Fred's tail and I'm like you don't see any other dads doing that like you really need to chill out but I do appreciate <clears throat> that he wants to keep us safe Bobby's great in a crisis but I mean I think he probably has cardiac damage from worrying um so those are all the methods of communication that I used I rang the golf club once more and Holly said, yeah, Bobby's got all your messages. He's on the way home. So I never actually made direct contact with Bobby, but he was charging his phone as soon as he got in the club, as soon as Holly found him. So he was told like two different ways. You got to go home. You got to go home right now. The lady of the house next door was so good at keeping us safe that she not only sent him a text, she called him to be like, hi, I need to make 
contact with you, hear your voice, let you know Catherine is outside the house and the baby's inside. So she was great. And then she called the babysitter's phone, which I had in my hand. And she said, I've made contact with Bobby. He's on the way home. So I knew Bobby was coming home. And then I was so relaxed. I was super relaxed. My only worry at that point was Bobby panicking and getting into an accident. So it just kept communicating with him on the security cameras. And he came through the gate like three minutes later, right on schedule. Fenna was only alone for about 10 minutes, which is amazing, really. And if you find yourself in that situation, someone on social media messaged me and they said, another thing you could have done with your car keys is start the car and use your Bluetooth in the car to connect with your phone inside the house and call Bobby that way, which would have been another great idea. But his phone was dead for most of that time. And also, you know, you can flag down a car or ask a neighbor, like whatever happened to going to your neighbor's house and like borrowing a cup of sugar or whatever my mom used to have us go down to the neighbors for when we were little. Like it pays to make physical contact with people and be like, hi, can I use your phone? You can always do that in a jam. But I mean, God, I just felt so stupid at the time. It was a bunch of things that went wrong to lead up to Fena being locked in the house. But I did a few things right as well. I didn't just leave her like naked and screaming and go out to the car with Fred. I had everyone ready to leave. Fena was fed. Fena was warm. Fena was changed. Fena was sleeping. She was positioned in her bed right by the door or by the window rather so that she was ready to get in the car next. And that's how I've learned to do it with two kids. I've had to look after both of them a few times by myself, but I'm really lucky. I know some moms and dads have like three small kids alone all the time. I have had a lot of help since Fenna was born. I haven't been working a lot. Fred's babysitter comes over almost every day. I have Bobby. I have Violet, who's like instrumental because both the kids just love her because she's young and beautiful and symmetrical. So, I mean, I have a whole army of people helping me. But the times that I've been alone, I've worked it out. Like, even when you're going up and down the stairs, I don't risk going up and down the stairs with both of them in my arms. I have one <clears throat> fed and warm and safe. And, I mean, usually that's Fena. I have the baby gate closed. I pick Fred up. I get him down. I close the baby gate. I go back up. I get Fena. I bring her down. When Fred's in the bath, Fena's in her chair next to me. You know, you can juggle with both of them. But, I mean, just hedge your bets, like give yourself the best chance that you can. And thank God Fenna was warm and fed and safe. Cause if she had been there, even in her chair or whatever, like screaming, that would have really distressed me. <clears throat> and another woman messaged me and she said she locked her toddler in the house and it took an hour to get back. And he had screamed himself hoarse. Oh, and I felt so bad for her, but I mean, look, he's fine. They're all fine. We're going to make mistakes and people will call it baby brain. But, uh, you know, we did our best. And that's how we got out of that jam. And hopefully if you find yourself in a similar jam, you can keep your head together and think your way out. And sometimes you might have to use old-fashioned technology like walking over to the neighbor's house. Um, I also have been posting, like, I mean, I got to get off social media. I did an episode a while ago about child safety. And I don't know. I think the kids are so cute and I want to share my life with people because I feel like I have a relationship with friends who, you know, have come to my shows for years or who message me or who listen to the podcast. And I like seeing pictures of your kids and you like seeing pictures of my kids, but I really got to be careful with it because uh, it just makes me so scared. But I put pictures of what we do during the week. I do about once a week. I do a little post 
and I try not to feature the kids too, too much. But I have been, oh, my light died. Oh, well. I have been showing pictures where if I'm with Fena, I'm usually breastfeeding her. And sometimes I have a glass of white wine with dinner. Yes. And I don't hide that because I firmly believe that it's totally safe to do so. There is a comment section in my Instagram where people disagree with me. They go, oh my God, drinking when you're breastfeeding is exactly the same as drinking while you're pregnant. And alcohol isn't even good for a person, so it's certainly not good for a baby. What are you doing with all this white wine? Da 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 da. And it's important for me to address this, partly because I think that not everyone has my personality. I always investigate like what is best for me and what is best for my family, and I do what I think I should do regardless of what is socially normal sometimes. <clears throat> but I know there are people who feel uh, pressure to behave a certain way because they're just, I don't know why, they don't have the confidence to investigate things for themselves. And so someone, for example, might want to breastfeed their children, but then they also kind of want to get back to their normal life. Maybe they feel shy breastfeeding in public, or maybe they just, they've been pregnant so long and they need to relax and they want to have a glass of wine with their girlfriends, but they're like, oh, I can't do that. So they stop breastfeeding early and then they have guilt about that. Like you can have it all. All right. So this is the best information that I have been able to gather about alcohol and breastfeeding. This is the up to the minute information. You will always find conflicting information. I think a lot of breastfeeding uh, society groups sometimes don't have the same information as the NHS. And sometimes one group is behind and the other, I don't know. Like this is the thing about science. It is not a set of facts. It is a constant exploration of mysteries. And that goes with medicine and everything else. So when you are pregnant, your bloodstream is shared with your baby's bloodstream and it's filtered through the placenta. Alcohol can cross the placenta. So if you drink when you're pregnant, then that alcohol gets into the baby's bloodstream as well. And that is not good. We have collectively decided, all right, let's not drink when we're pregnant. Though in the 50s and whenever else, loads of women used to drink and smoke when they were pregnant and they were told it was fine. So I mean, maybe they'll change that information again. But for the moment, the best science says that the bloodstream in your alcohol or the alcohol in your bloodstream crosses the placenta and therefore it's in the baby's bloodstream. But when you're breastfeeding, you do not share a bloodstream with your baby. The breast milk is not made from the contents of your stomach. It's made from your blood. So let's say you're over the limit. The legal alcohol limit uh, in the UK is 0.08% or something. That's your blood. So that's like you pretty much drunk. 0.08% is you like approaching being drunk. And I'm never even close to that. I have one glass of wine with a meal sometimes. So my blood alcohol would be, I don't know, like 0.045. Your breast milk is made from that blood. So the breast milk would be even lower, like such a negligible percentage that there's less alcohol in your breast milk than in a banana, than in orange juice. You know, there's like nothing, 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 nothing. Think about a drink made from a liquid that has 0.05% of something in it. There's nothing in it. A doctor told me it's like throwing a shot glass in a swimming pool. Like it's fine, fine, fine. Having said that, you shouldn't be drunk around your baby because that's really dangerous. And you shouldn't be breastfeeding your baby if you're drunk because 
that's dangerous for different reasons. But if you want to have a glass of wine with your girlfriends, that in no way should stop you from breastfeeding your baby, in my opinion. And I love that the people who disagree with me are going off not science or any articles that they've read that you know shed some light on, on what's actually happening with breast milk. They just heard it somewhere. They're just like, no, you shouldn't do that. Or they've just like decided in their minds that it's bad. One woman actually messaged me, I don't care about statistics or percentages. You should not be breastfeeding after a glass of wine. It's like, who told you that? An angel? Like, it's cool, chill. You can have a nice balanced life. Maybe you don't drink alcohol. I don't wanna say normal because for some people it's not normal to drink alcohol at all. But for other people, moms have been pregnant a long time. They're stressed, they're tired. They wanna breastfeed. They don't wanna feel guilt or shame and they wanna have one glass of wine. Have a fucking glass of wine at dinner. Have a gin and tonic for all I care. That is the best science that I have available. Ultimately, I can't advise you medically to do or not do anything, but this is how I feel. Nothing else really to report this week, so why don't you listen to these messages from our sponsors, and when we return, I will answer your burning questions in the emails. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com God, this, just as I hear that Leonardo DiCaprio, who's nearly 50, has been pictured hanging out, quote unquote, with a 19-year-old woman. We have to say woman because, like, she can vote and she can join the military if she wants to, but she can't buy alcohol in America or drive a car. And it's amazing when you call this shit out on Twitter, which I've been doing, by the way, I've been making fun of Leonardo DiCaprio and that's all I'm doing. I'm not saying he's a criminal. No, it's not a crime for an old, old, rich, powerful man to date a 19 year old woman, but it's fucking creepy as a pattern. And it makes him look like a loser to all the women my age. And when you put this on Twitter, you get a ton of men who are even bigger losers being like, oh, jealous, are we? Well, if you could have a Ferrari, why ride around in an old banger? And it's like, no, I'm not jealous. I would rather die than date a 19-year-old boy. And um, it's very creepy that these guys defend that behavior. Like they think that, and I know that if they could, they would be dating teenagers as well. And someone put it really gross. They said minimum wage would be lower if it wasn't illegal. And I think these men would be fucking a lot lower if it wasn't illegal. There, I've said it. So no, he's not breaking the law. He's just illustrating that women are always like for decoration to him. Do you know what I mean? We aren't considered as like an equal 
but he's not looking for partnership. He's not looking for his equal, basically. No man who's 50 years old and rich and famous and powerful dating a 19-year-old who only a couple years ago was an actual child is looking for his equal. And that's fine. And I've said everything I need to say about Leonardo DiCaprio a thousand times. I'm not trying to have him like canceled or anything else or put in prison. I just think that the young women listening to my podcast need to know that he's a fucking loser. And he quite clearly sees women's value in his life as being entirely superficial. And if you want a man like that, then find yourself a sugar daddy. But just know that women my age will not speak to that man. Anyway, here's the email. How am I going to do this with Fena in my arms? Okay. Hi, Catherine. My niece turned 16 last year. She's a young 16, probably looks around 14. She promptly went out and found herself a job, very mature. She works at a pub as a cleaner out of hours. She does sometimes, however, pick up shifts as a glass collector where she's met and started a friendship with a 24-year-old barman. Over the past couple of weeks, it's been found out that they have been messaging frequently and he has even been giving her lifts to and from college. As soon as her parents found out, they explained the way that this could look and suggested she cut contacts with this man. When they contacted her boss, she was called into the office and had her hours cut to one hour a week. That's a zero hour contract. She has now quit this job. He, however, continues to work there and has had no consequence to his actions. And I believe he should have known better. He's eight years her senior, and in my eyes, she's a vulnerable young lady who deserves the protection of her workplace. I'm quite conflicted because I'm pleased she's no longer working there, but I'm struggling that she's the only person being taught this is inappropriate. And now she knows this. And if he's to contact her or respond, or if she contacts him, she will most likely keep this a secret from her parents. Oh no. In my mind, he must have known this was wrong or would have openly spoken about it, which he didn't. He never told anyone about their friendship and that it extended out of the workplace. I just worry. I would be in there. I would be in that bar so fast. And of course, it's tough because no law has been broken. He's not dating her or sleeping with her or pursuing a romantic relationship as far as we know. This is a fact of life that when you work in an adult environment, your friends are going to be from that environment. So, I mean, on the surface, they're colleagues and they're friends and he's messaging her and he's giving her rides. But you and I know deep down that no normal 24-year-old man has any business messaging or giving lifts to a 16-year-old girl. It is fucked up if that was my child I would go and speak to him as loudly as I could in that pub. I'd be like, oh, Stephen, or whatever his name is. It does not say that his name is Stephen. I have guessed Stephen. Stephen, God, you know, thank you so much for all the extra babysitting that you have been doing. Driving my child to school, texting my child to make sure that she's all right. Well, surely I must pay you for this childcare. I'll pay you for the hours that you spend babysitting my child because I can see that you're busy already and I don't believe in zero hour contracts. So, I mean, why don't I put you on a salary, Stephen? Do you do any other chores around the house? Do you want to come around and empty the dishwasher? Like I would loudly praise him for babysitting in front of all those patrons. It's tricky because, you know, this daughter, I mean, I know it's your niece, but 
her parents need to be in there. But I know it would embarrass her and she'd be pissed off, but like, oh, well. And I think they could both learn a lesson from that. Like, no, you want to hang out with a grown man, then he's babysitting you and I'm going to pay him for his time. And he will learn that he'll sound like a pedo in front of everyone at his workplace, even though he officially isn't one. Do you know what I mean? And um, as for the workplace cutting back her hours, I see why they've done that. They're like, oh shit, we have a problem. It's not illegal yet, but it's not really great that he's messaging this girl. Maybe we shouldn't hire 16 year old girls because this is a pub. It's quite an adult environment and let's reduce her hours until she goes away. Like, unfortunately, that's how it works. If you're a whistleblower of any kind, which she wasn't, but her parents became, you know, a problem. It's easier just to get rid of the problem than to address the root of the problem, you know what I mean, which is your employee texting this girl. It's tricky for his manager because he hasn't committed any crimes or done anything. If I was running a bar, I think the best thing to do is not have a 16-year-old who looks 14 working there. Do you know? So I kind of, like what they've done is wrong, but I'm kind of on their side about it. And maybe the lesson for this girl is like, you know, you're entering the workforce and we appreciate that you've taken initiative and that you're doing this and you're great at your job, but maybe let's not choose such an adult environment and be vigilant that there are men in adult environments that want to exploit you because of how old you are. And they'll seem like your friend at first, but ultimately they're not. You know, lots of learning to be done, but I understand why you're pissed off. And I don't know, maybe she could work at Starbucks. Uh-oh, his hobby and its budget comes before me. Catherine, I'm in a bit of a dilemma. I don't know whether the way I'm feeling is selfish, so I'd appreciate your thoughts. My boyfriend, 26, and I, 24, have been together for two years. We have a semi-long-distance relationship. It's about an hour or two trip between us. My boyfriend has always been super nerdy. In the past year, he's become very passionate about a tabletop card game, which he enters tournaments for. I love to see him so involved in something he's interested in, and I do support his hobby. However, the more involved he gets, the more time and money he puts into it. These tabletop card games are not a cheap hobby. I mean, how expensive can they be? Was this, what is this? Po- does it mean poker? Like gambling tabletop card games? What are tabletop card games? Last year, he flew to America to enter a tournament. I was fully supportive of it, even though he didn't have the money to go and he had to get this money as a loan. For a bit of context, he still lives at home with his parents. He does not drive. So sometimes his spending habits do concern me as I don't feel that he's saving any money for our future. He's recently entered into another competition in America at the end of April. We had planned to go on our first holiday together this year, but because of the money he'll be spending on the trip, we'll no longer be able to go. I'm disappointed. Having the distance that we do have, he also now has very few weekends when he's not busy with competitions or practicing, and he doesn't have the money to plan things for us or to do anything thoughtful for me. I'm happy that he's happy, but I can't help feeling neglected. He's great in so many ways, and I don't want to break up, but this is starting to bug me. I don't want to be accused of not supporting his hobby. Oh my God. I love that people think they're telling you what's going on, and then at the end, they accidentally tell you what's really going on. Like when they've stopped constructing it, all of a sudden they're like, okay, bye, blah, 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 and the truth comes out. So you don't want to be accused of not supporting his hobby and you don't want to break up 
and you're happy that he's happy, but you're not happy. Okay, so first of all, it is not your job to be understood properly by everyone. And especially when it comes to the end of relationships, everybody goes, well, I want him to understand that I was great and he was wrong. And I want him to see that I did the best I could. And I want, and it's like, it doesn't matter what he thinks or what he sees or what he acknowledges. And as soon as you wrap your head around that, it's just so much better to walk away and be like, bye, not your fault, not my fault. This didn't work. Bye. And someone can call you a crazy bitch or do anything else or tell whatever story about why you broke up. It really doesn't matter. You can just do your best to articulate yourself clearly once and then gracefully move on with your life. This man is going to be 27 years old soon and he is very invested in a tabletop card game that I don't understand. I don't understand if you're talking about poker, gambling, Yahtzee, uh, badminton, uh, what is it called? Uh, any, I don't understand if he's playing bridge. I don't get what's going on. But whatever's going on, he's playing cards and he's happy to do that. So happy that all of his finances pretty much are going to this. He's got into debt to pursue this. He's got a loan to go to America. This is not the pattern of a husband and father. So if that's what you're looking to do, if you're looking towards a future with someone who puts you as a priority and who saves for you know the down payment on a house, this is not your guy. This is not your guy right now at all. And you can't date someone on, based on potential. Like, oh, maybe he'll be that guy when he's 35. All right, maybe, but you're not gonna f spend the better part of a decade finding out. Never date someone based on potential. Who he will be is who he is now. That's all you have to go on. So if you want a boyfriend who is really great in so many ways, according to you, and who will like hang out with you sometimes if he's not playing cards with his friends and you make a two hour drive and plan everything and bring everything and do everything and pay for everything, then fine, that's the relationship that you're in. You guys are each other's like maybe texting support and booty calls once in a while. But uh, if you want someone who's going to plan dates for you and go on holidays with you and put money aside for a future with you, then you do have to break up. Even if you don't want to, like you're not in the relationship that you think you're in or that you want to be in. And this relationship, as far as you're concerned, will never turn out to be that relationship. And it doesn't matter if you're accused of not supporting his hobby. His hobby at the moment sounds kind of like a dangerous addiction that isn't serving him well. It's like fun right now, but he's in debt. So you need to break up with him. Or you need to just say to him, oh, I love you and there are so many great things about you and I wish we could stay together, but unfortunately, you don't prioritize me and I don't want to stop you from doing what you truly love, which is playing cards with your friends. So I wish you the best. You keep on doing that and I'm going to find someone who will take me on holiday. And if you're fine with all of that, we can keep dating, but I'm going on holiday and I'm going to fuck this guy. <laughs> and I'm going to have a, another boyfriend also who's not you because he is married to the cards. Oh no, mourning the loss of my in-laws after a divorce. Catherine, my husband and I have separated after 13 years. It sucks. We were trying to have a baby, it didn't happen. I was really ill last year. I had a one in a million serious eye infection which ruined my life. 
I came so close to losing my eye. I literally couldn't even open it for seven months. I got over that and my babe of a husband recently decided it was time to separate. Heartbreaking. Nine years ago, I moved away from my family who aren't that loving and supportive to live near his family. I still love his family. I see them as my family and vice versa. We have a relationship outside of my ex and they've said they will continue to love and support me. I'm delightful so I can see why they wouldn't want to lose me. Anyway, I'd love your thoughts on whether I can continue to stay close to his family and still move on. I love them so much that the thought of losing them is a hundred times more painful than losing my ex. Oh, you said it, not me. Probably a sign we weren't meant to be. Oh my God. What? I have never felt that way about any in-laws. I mean, I love my husband's family. I really do. But they're the first family that I liked. My ex, well, that's not true. My friend Alex, his family's cool. I didn't know them that well, but I really liked them. Anyone before that, the family's garbage to me. And I, <laughs> they're probably, you know, a bad family probably raises a bad man. So that makes sense. All right, so you love this family. I mean, it's not really up to you, I guess. If they want to be close to you and you want to be close to them, I think that good things can come from a partnership that ended. And if uh, he's fine with his parents and family staying close to you, that's the real question. Because if he moves on or if he is hurt by hearing your name or knowing that they're spending time with you, it will be him that says to his parents, like, don't see her anymore. Um, I don't mean to use the word see so close after your eye infection. I'm glad you got over all that, by the way. I mean, God, sometimes um, challenges bring people together and sometimes it just crystallizes that you weren't meant to be, you know? Maybe you guys went through all this stuff together and he just took it, you know, not personally, just as a sign that like, oh, do you know what? I'm not in this for the long haul like I thought. It's just too stressful, too traumatic to have all this loss in a short amount of time and I want a clean break from it, you know? And um, I'm sorry that you're heartbroken by it, but you don't want a guy to stick around if he's not, you know, game for the hard stuff. So it's you're better off without him. I think have a chat with his family and be like, does he feel okay with me keeping this relationship with you? Because what I don't want is to have my heart broken twice and to be close to you guys and to think that we're still a family. And then all of a sudden you come to me and go, oh, he has a new girlfriend who hates that we have your pictures on the wall and she doesn't want us talking to you and she's banned him from letting you talk to us and now it's over. You know, you don't want to be broken up with by this family twice. And also you're going to have a new relationship it's unlikely, but it could be that your new partner doesn't like you hanging out with your ex-in-laws and is like, doesn't want you to have any ties to this ex-husband. So, you know, those are the things. Those are the little jealousy triangles that maybe could, could crop up. But I think if everybody has a nice, open, honest conversation about it, yeah. I mean, a big, a big opener would be, I always liked you guys better than I liked him. See how they take that. And then next time, maybe find a man who's, whose parents and family you absolutely hate, and that'll be the guy for you. Well, guys, my baby's fussing, and I haven't put her down 
hardly at all for the eight weeks of her life. So I better go. If you would like to write me an email, please send it to tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. A little follow-up on the GP last week referring me to the breast clinic. I went for the breast cancer scan. The doctor there could not have been more delightful. Um, I have lots of milk. I had a milk clog, obviously, he said. And he said, you know what? Yeah, you were sent here maybe like too uh, quickly and obviously this was not gonna be breast cancer, but you should be grateful because some people don't get referred to the breast clinic for breast cancer. And yes, of course, I bitch about this and I bitch about that, but I'm very grateful that I was referred, even at the slight hinting that I might have a weird lump. And I'm glad I went, and I hope that if you feel anything is going on with your body, any changes in moles or breasts or anything, then you push to be referred. Because I went privately, so I wasn't taking any of your NHS slots, but there are NHS slots, and you are entitled to them if you have a problem. So everybody get checked out. Everybody have a great week, and I will see you back here on Valentine's. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.